Craig, good morning, everybody. It's nice to be with you this lovely uh, May day, and glad you're having a good camp. I'd like you to turn to um, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to um, speak about the Holy Spirit today, and then I'm going to share with you at the end um, quite a powerful vision which I felt God give to me um, almost a year ago. Every time I've shared on it, there's been a move of the Holy Spirit. And I've shared in Canada and Australia, where I've just returned, and um, I've shared in my front room. Every time I have, the Holy Spirit has fallen on people. So... um, That's what I plan to do. Preach and then just share the vision. Pentecost Sunday in Ephesians 4 and verse 30 says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Then if you drop down to chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, look, and the NIV says, look very carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise making the best use or making the use of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Anybody here want to know what God's will is for your life? Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, I pray that you'd help me discharge your word this morning. I pray that you bless us, dear people. I pray that you keep me from being long-winded and boring. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd wonderfully come and do whatever is on heaven's agenda this morning, Lord, for the Hailsham Church, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak under three headings. First, a warning. Secondly, a command. Thirdly, an example. Firstly, then, a warning. It says in verse 15, it says, Be careful how you live. The NIV says, actually, be very careful how you live. Be very careful how you live. Why? He says, because the days are evil. The days in which you live in are evil. I have no doubt in my mind that we live in some evil days, some very evil days. I've just recently um, returned from... Uh, quite an extensive travel, actually, to Canada. And then we went to Australia and we dropped in <laughs> to some friends in India on the way back. And I just thought I'd catch up on the news before I, I went. I just um, switched on the TV. This could be any day of the year in the UK. First up, 
Policemen had been jailed for 30 years because he was found to be a serial rapist. When they investigated, they found that it was just the tip of the iceberg in the Metropolitan Police, and they were having to cause another police force to come and investigate. He thought, wow. Second, a beautiful head teacher was found dead with her husband and her daughter in the playground. Next up, a man was jailed for manslaughter because he had a handicapped daughter who died in such squalor, the people who went to see there said you wouldn't even allow an animal to live in such squalor. Next up was the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. We just passed a year. We've seen thousands upon thousands of young lives get butchered. I recently heard of a pastor who went to Russia to speak to some pastors, and he said that some of the, some of the young people there, that if they, they refuse to go to fight, they immediately have their passports taken away and their bank balances emptied. Thousands. We've seen schools, we've seen homes, we've seen people rendered without accommodation because of the Russian war. Next up was a huge rise in mass killings in the USA. Number and intensity of rise. Any day, any news, you would have to say there is clearly something wrong with the human race. Something, and the Bible tells us we are living in evil days. It says in 1 John, it says, the whole world lies in the grip of the evil one. That's what it says. It's what the Bible says. And we're told that we should be very careful. You say, well, let's escape. Let's just get out to Australia. Let's go somewhere where the sun's shining. We went to Australia. My wife had a, an appointment with the hairdresser. The hairdresser phoned up and said, oh, by the way, I can't make the appointment to your house today. I've just been scammed for $10,000. I've got to go to the bank. We went that evening to visit some friends. They said this that three teenage girls of the age of 15 had made a, a pact together that they would all commit suicide. Two of them had already died and committed suicide, and one was the people that we were going to see later on um, and that we know well. We live in evil days, and the Bible says, be very careful then how you live. The question is, has God lost the plot? Has he lost the plot? Is he taken by surprise? Does he have an answer in this evil day? In this day that we grow up, does God have an answer? And the answer is this, the answer is his church. The answer is his people. And the first thing is a warning, the second thing is a command. It says, therefore, he says, be very careful how you leave, not as unwise, but as wise, and a wise person is getting filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God's answer in an evil day is you and me. It's his people filled with the life and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it says um, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is it a present continuous imperative? So it's right now, get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's continuous 
go on getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's an imperative. This is not just for the keen people. This is a command, get filled with the Holy Spirit. As a command, don't commit adultery. As a command, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's like standing under the shower of God's blessing and his love. That is God's answer for the world. I had one of the, the Heathfield elders phone me up this week. He said that um, they had, on their Alpha course, they had 15 people on their Alpha course. One was a, I shan't too many, many details, but was a teacher. And the teacher came and said, I can't understand it all. She said, you, you all seem so happy. You all seem to have your lives together. You can't all be deluded. <laughs> and uh, they laughed because she, she just saw something which caught her off guard. And she saw these people, they're, 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 they've got their lives together. They seem happy. They're not all fighting. It's the church. When I first got saved, I got involved with the, a group of motorbike gang, similar to the sort of Hells Angels group in America. They weren't the Hells Angels, but a very similar type of thing. And then I met some Jesus people. And the, the impact of these people seeing their smiling faces and their eyes shining and, and just the impact of the, of the corporate gathering of Christians to, together had a powerful impact on me. It's, I've never seen anything like it. And that is God's answer in an evil day. It's his people. It's the church being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I was at university when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. I became a Christian, and um, I wanted to know how to grow as a Christian. Someone said to me, you need to pray, and you need to read your Bible. I asked someone else. They said, you need to pray, and you need to read your Bible. I said to someone else, they said, you need to pray and read your Bible. So I tried praying. I wasn't very good at it. I thought I was the worst Christian on planet Earth, and I actually fell asleep. And then one morning... I felt God's presence so close that it frightened me. And I thought, if ever that happens again, I'm just going to hang in there, see what happens. And about a week later, God's presence came so powerfully, I found myself just speaking in other tongues. I knew it wasn't me because I was, yeah, I didn't know when to stop and when to start. I'd never learned a language like that. And um, I tore off in those days. I used to have a little <clears throat> Keswick calendar which used to tear off each day. Does anybody remember those? You had a verse for the day. My mother had given it to me. And I tore off the verse for the day and it says this, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I knew that I knew that I knew that God loved me because God had just touched me and filled me. And he's answering in, in, in an evil day, and we do live in an evil day, is the church, the people of God, filled with the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. So a warning, a command. Then thirdly, an example. What does a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit look like? How would you recognize one? Well, it tells us very clearly here what they don't look like. And Paul, in his inimitable style, brings the negative before he brings the positive, And he tells us what they're not like. And he says, well, first of all, that they're not unwise. <clears throat> but they're making, in verse 15, they are making the best use of every single opportunity. I've passed 70 now. I know I don't look that old. I still look a 20-year-old. And... Uh, 
My, my sons took me to Southampton uh, football match because we, we knew one of the directors, and they got me into the director's box. They were playing Manchester United. And I may have told you this before, because it's a quite a favourite story of mine. But I knew when I was going that, that God said to me, make use of every opportunity. Make sure you take your own personal tract. So I had my own personal tract. And we walked into the director's box, and I walked straight into Sir Alex Ferguson. And uh, there were only four of them, Manchester United directors. There were six of us. We walked in, and I thought, these are important people. I'll go to one side. And I went over to see a, a football shirt which was signed by Matt Letizier and, and Alex Ferguson came over to me. And I said, I've read your book, Alex. I said, I really enjoyed it. And then I gave him my personal tract. And I said, would you like to read my story? My story's only 350 words. And he said, oh yeah. He said, I'd, I'd like to read that on the plane going home. Now, I don't know what's, where that goes, but I do know that one of his team and one of his coaches was a very keen Christian. Who knows what effect? Who knows what may have happened down the line? Make the most of every opportunity. Do you know I believe this? I believe that God chooses the exact place where you should live. It says that in the book of Acts. It says God chooses the exact dwelling places where we should be. And I believe that he does it for a purpose so that we might reach the people around us and the neighbors around us. And I believe that one of your goals is to make the most of the, every opportunity in the street you live in, the road you live in, and to start praying for the neighbors. And we've lived in three different towns in Sussex. We've lived in Heathfield. We've lived in Hastings. We've lived in Hassocks, all beginning with H. So our next move is to Helsham. Hooray! <laughs> So all the H's, you see, it's all there. And so this is a divine move, a, a town with H. Is, is, I'm joking. It's a, God has chosen the exact places you should live because he wants to use you to reach the neighbors around. Get a list of your neighbors and start praying for them regularly. We had last night, we had two of our neighbors around. One of the, one of the neighbors was found a couple of years ago ago to have cancer, and we, I, we, I sent him a text, and uh, he got saved. He got born again. He watches the, the Brighton service every single week. He's read through, and he's read through most of the New Testament, which is more than a lot of Christians <laughs> have done. He's read through that. He sat there yesterday, and his wife started to say, what, have you prepared your sermon for tomorrow? Because they knew, Ruth had said, I was in Hailsham tomorrow. We were in Hailsham. They'd ask us to a birthday or something. He said, no, we're going, to, um, we're going to church. Oh, what are you preaching on? So I told them, I'm preaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. They started to ask me about what does it mean to speak in tongues? They then started to ask us, why, why is it that people are against Christians? I, and then I started to talk about the reforms that have taken place in this nation. The reforms of places under people like William Booth, under people like Wesley and Whitfield, when we saw the nation turn from bloody revolution into a move of God, where we saw things like the Hebrides revival, and where we've seen the Welsh revival, where the police didn't know what to do, so they formed a singing quartet to entertain the people because there was no crime. When the, the, the moves of God in this land have brought about tremendous change in medicine and they've brought change in, in social reforms and the, it's been the Christians which have often been behind the whole reforms that have blessed and brought to our nation. 
And now we're in a situation where people say, oh, we don't want this Christian stuff. It's repressive and, and all the rest of it. It's, it's, it's God has blessed this nation because of the, the gospel has been preached through the Wesleys and the Whitfields and the Booths and the Spurgeons. God has blessed this nation. I sent this lady home. She went home with a book, four books. Two of John Wesley, she said, she's a reader. She's, she's a reader. She's, she likes to read. I'd like to read about John Wesley. Two on John Wesley. One on William Booth. One about John Newton, the slave trader. I said he was a man who used to, to sell people as a slave trader for a living. And Jesus took hold of his life and turned it around. She's gone home to read it. I pray for Moira to get saved. Every town that we've lived in, in Sussex, we have seen... Our, some of our neighbours get saved. We've seen it in Heathfield. We've seen it in Hastings. We've seen it in Hassocks. You are in here in Hailsham. God has put you in a place because he's put a neighbourhood around you which are for you to reach. Find out the names of your neighbours. Make a list. Start praying for them. Ask them around for dinner. Ask them around for a barbecue in the afternoon. Befriend them. Most people don't have friends. Most men haven't got, a, haven't got friends. The ladies quite often do have friends, but a lot of the men just are lonely. Get to know them. Befriend them. Make the most of every opportunity. Jesus may look at you one day and say, what did you do when I put you in that house? Did you pray for the neighbors around you? Did you reach out to them? They say it to me. Making the most of every opportunity. That's what a person will be doing who's filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not unwise, but they're making the most of every opportunity. They're also, they're not drunk. They think, well, I don't understand the problems of our day. I don't understand the social media. Well, well, well let's, have a dr let's have a drink. <laughs> let's have a party and have a drink. Have another drink. Have another one and another one. We can't beat them. Let's join them. Let's get plastered. Let's, um, let's, let's get wiped out because we haven't got a clue what to do. No, 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 no. Not unwise, making the most of every opportunity. Not drunk, joining in. I'm not saying that having a glass of wine is wrong, but the Bible doesn't condemn that. What it does condemn is drunkenness. Not grieving the Holy Spirit. It says in 4 verse 30, with anger and bitterness. You anger? You bitter? I met this couple in Australia whose daughter had taken her life. And they said about the mother that she had totally and utterly changed because she decided, although she didn't like it, that she would seek God and find <clears throat> God's help and provision. And God came and met her. And her sister said, she's like a different person. You wouldn't believe it. She's, she's transformed. Of course she doesn't like it. But it's like she's, she's encountered God. I met another some other people who lost a child, they'd, they'd decided to go bitter. And it was everybody else's fault. Blame and blame and blame the medical and this. And they didn't do it. Every, everybody, every, just angry and bitter. One turns and becomes a sweet, 
with a fragrance which other people say, wow. Another person becomes so bitter, it looks as though they've been baptized in vinegar. Are you angry and bitter? They're not bad-mouthing each other with slander and malice. They're not being unkind. They're not grieving the Holy Spirit with unkindness. Do you know I went into to Aldi? There was a man with his son. I could have, I could have wept. And this, the boy looked quite thin and unsure of himself. And the man said to, the, said to his son, he says, uh, we pass that over, Johnny. So the boy grabbed hold of something, passed it over. Not that, you idiot! And, it, and, it, and this poor kid, not that, you idiot! He thought, what a way to speak to your son in a shop. Now, we all know that that's far too common. You can slay a person with some of the words you say. There's one whose rich words, it says in Proverbs, they're like sword thrush. That goes for you and your dog as well. But it says in Proverbs, the tongue of the wise brings healing. What do your words bring? Do they bring healing? What do my words bring? I was shocked by this man. I could see this poor boy. I thought, you poor guy. And this man was so vicious and hard on him. Not grieving the Holy Spirit with unkindness. I felt recently that um, God withdraw his presence from me a bit. I was seeking God. I just felt didn't, I didn't feel as close to God as I wanted to feel and as I had done in the past. I said, Lord, why is that? What's going on? I felt God show me very clearly. And it's true for some people here now. I can see it as I look at you. I felt God say this to me. You've been harsh with your wife. Ah. And I distanced her over something and I felt that I'd paid the penalty that the Holy Spirit had lifted from me I'd grieved the Holy Spirit with unkindness I had to repent ask for his forgiveness I immediately felt God's presence draw back again this is very very earthy practical stuff it actually works. Amen? It actually works. Not with unkindness. Not with unforgiveness. You holding out on somebody through unforgiveness? Do you know I met Terry Virgo's pastor one day, who was Pastor Rubman, who was the pastor of... Holland Road Baptist Church, only met him once, he made a profound impact on me. He said he was in the ministry and had a church of, I think there was about 700 people in the Baptist Church. 
He said he felt he wanted to go closer to God and he didn't know who to turn to. And he said out of all the people, he said there was only one leader that he could go to who was somewhere in Bournemouth. And the leader told him what you need to do. He said you need to do a Romans twice. Romans 12, commit your body to, to God as a living sacrifice. He said he went away and spent three days praying through his eyes, what he looked at on the TV, what he read in the papers, through his mouth, what he said, through his hands, what he did with his hands, through his feet, people that he went to visit, people he avoided. And he dedicated, took him three days, every single part of his body to God anew. And he said... He, he got up on the Sunday. This is what happened. He got up on the Sunday and he shared it with the church. And he said there was a man in the balcony who'd fallen out with another man in the church. And the man in the balcony had found that he's, the doctor told him that he got cancer on his face and the cancer was, was growing up through his nose and was going to break out all over his face. He'd settle that Sunday. He'd go to church for the last time. He'd go down to the beach and then he would swim towards France and he would swim and swim and swim and swim and swim until he was exhausted and couldn't get back. Pastor Rudman told the people what he'd done that week. He said, I'm going to break bread. He said, I want you to come and join me if you'd like to. This man thought, I want to go and join. And he said, I'll sort out that thing and apologize to the fellow that I've fallen out with. He came from the balcony down to the front by the time he'd got to the communion table, God had healed him. His face was like the face of a newborn child. So Pastor Rubman said, Are you holding out on someone with unforgiveness, unkindness? If you said to me, Steve Brading, are you tender-hearted? I'd probably have to say, not always. I'm not always tender-hearted. This here says a person filled with the Holy Spirit will be tender-hearted. I'd have to say that's not always true of me. My wife would say it's hardly ever true of you. <laughs> I'm not always tender-hearted. But God, please allow your word to come and change me. This is what's going to change a nation. Well, they're not like, they're not unwise, they're not drunk, they're not grieving the Holy Spirit with unforgiveness, unkindness, anger, bitterness, and malice. But what are they like? What are they like then? Well, it tells us in verse 19 that they are, that this is what they're like, that they are, number one, that they're vocal. They're vocal. In verse 19, it says this. It says that they are addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're joyful. They're joyful. 
You know, it's the devil that makes people dumb, but it's Jesus which gives them utterance. And a person filled with the Holy Spirit would be singing, You've put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to Almighty God. I've got the words wrong, but you know how it goes. <laughs> He'll be singing. They'll be making melody to the Lord. There'd be a sense of, of, of they're vocal. They want to tell people about Jesus. They want to tell people of, about the one who's changed their life. My father-in-law used to say, we always speak about the ones we love. Do you speak much about Jesus? Or is he an embarrassment to you as your friends ask you? A person filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking much about Jesus. About a year ago, I came to this church and some friends of mine turned up from another town. I shan't tell you where. Dear friends of mine. And they used to be our next-door neighbours in Heathfield. And the guy, he was always going to beat somebody up. He was always going to punch the milkman on the nose or beat the somebody up, you know, punch the postman or do somebody or beat somebody up. And one day he came home from work and the doctor said to him, you'll never walk again, you've done something in your back. And he was laid out on the floor and they called us in. We went and prayed for him and God healed him. And he got saved. And his wife got saved. And his children got saved. And his mum got saved. And his dad got saved. <laughs> and his sister got saved. The whole family got saved. And Roger was totally transformed. And what he and his wife have done, they've spent the last 20 years going to Kenya, to Africa. They spent their holiday money and they've established some houses out there, some homes, two homes, and the homes hold 35 children each. And they've taken street children. They've set up this charity to look after these street children and home them. Whenever I speak with him, he's telling me about what Jesus has done, how he's changed his life. A person filled with the Holy Spirit is vocal. They're speaking about the Lord Jesus. That's Roger, that's Leslie. They're speaking about the one they love. Not only are they vocal, but they're joyful. There's a deep-seated deep assurance that God is in control. Terry, I meet with Terry to pray, and Terry says this. He says that his number one thing is to keep himself happy in God. That's what, he's, that's what a job of a leader is, is to keep yourself. Are you a leader here? Your number one job is to keep yourself happy in God. Now, I need to learn from that. Because a person filled with the Holy Spirit is vocal, but they're also joyful. They're making melody to the Lord. They're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in their heart. I love that hymn we sang this morning, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I saw Paul Endersby stand up at that point and <laughs> lift his hands. He thought, wow. It's because it stirs and rekindles the, the praise to God, which we want the whole world to join in. Amen? And rejoice in that. When we lived in Sydney, <coughs> Australia, <coughs> we lived quite near a beach. And 
We live very near a beach. There were 16, probably shouldn't tell you this, there were 16 golden beaches all about half a mile long, mile long, one or two of them, Palm Beach. Sometimes there'd be nobody on the beach at all. One day, I was walking by Palm Beach. There wasn't a soul there. All you could see was the dolphins, the parrots, and the seagulls. And, and I just felt happy in God. I just started to sing, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. There was nobody there apart from the seagulls. I was singing my head off. And suddenly, this lady came out of a bush. <laughs> I don't know who was more embarrassed, her or me. And she looked at me and she says, oh, you're happy. Why are you happy? I said, well, I, I said, I'm a Christian. We had a great day yesterday and I just, I'm just praising God. And then we walked to the end of the beach and she walked with me. And as we walked along, she told me all of her difficulties. It all came pouring out. She just told me. And I ended up praying with her. And folks, just by being joyful in this day, just by being happy, just by singing a song, you can bring transformation. <laughs> because we live in a world now which is sad and struggling. And the Christian will be somebody who's speaking about Jesus, but there'll be somebody who's filled with joy, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with all their heart. Is that you? Is that you? Be honest, is that you? And it's the Holy Spirit who puts a new song in my heart. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. To put a joy, a new song in my heart. So a person filled with the Holy Spirit, they'd be, they'd be vocal, they'd be joyful. And then thirdly this, they'd be thankful. In verse 20 it says, always giving thanks to God for everything. That's tough. Is that you? Always giving thanks to God for everything. I find it's easy to give thanks to God for some things, but not always for all things. And God wants us to be a people who are thankful. I find this. I try and wake up each day. I learned this from a friend of mine. He always seemed very happy. I said, Mark, how do you live your Christian life? He said, the first thing I do when I wake up, he said, well, I'm still half asleep. He said, I go through 10 things to thank God for from the previous day. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So I decided to do the same. The minute I wake up to go through at least 10 things to thank God, what he did yesterday. Ah, that, you answered that prayer. I spoke to that person, that person. I've done it today. I thought, this is a good way to live. And when you live in thankfulness, it actually provides a, a foundation of faith to believe God for the future. If you're ungrateful, then it doesn't lead to a joyful life that's believing God for the next thing. But here we're told that they're always giving thanks to God for everything. So what are they not like? Well, they're not unwise, they're not drunk, they're not grieving the Holy Spirit. What are they like? They're vocal, they're joyful, they're thankful. Is that you? I'm going to tell you now about this vision that I had. Last year, Ruth and I, we were invited to this very, very, very prestigious cruise. All expenses paid for. 
otherwise it wouldn't have been there. <clears throat> it was a cruise, there was only about 100 people on this boat, and it cruised around Sicily, and then it went on to Malta, to Valletta, Malta. And one night we were sitting out on the deck of this, this boat, this incredible, everybody was at the top of their game, you know, the guy who'd invented Moderna vaccine and all the, you know, high legal people and, and us. I shan't tell you why we were there, but <clears throat> we were sitting out on this deck of the boats. It was a beautiful, calm evening. It was dark. We were having a sumptuous meal. And you could see the fairy lights of Sicily in the distance. And then suddenly, the mountain in front of us exploded. And it was Mount Etna. It was a volcano. And you could see the smoke. You could see the sparks. You could see the, the lava erupt out of this volcano. And I sat there for the whole evening, mesmerized, because I've never, ever seen a volcano. I've obviously seen one on the TV, but I've never seen one in real life. Has anybody seen one in real life? Okay. One, two people. I could see this one in real life. And gradually, this lava, it carved a pathway down the side of the mountain. And the lava is so powerful that it goes through anything, knocks cars, buildings, trees, plows its way through anything. Nothing stands in its way, nothing. And, I, I would, and the captain came out and said, oh boy, you lot are, he said, you lot are incredibly privileged. This is a very, very rare sight. And said, I've only ever seen this once before. And so I'm sitting there thinking, wow. I never thought much more about it. Then when we got back to England, some weeks later, I meet with a group of people to pray for revival each week. And in the group is Terry and Wendy Virgo. And while we were praying in this group, this picture of the volcano and the, and the river of fire came back to me powerfully. And I believe that God was saying this, that he is going to visit his people and his church with a river of fire again. I believe that. I believe God is wanting to come and move by his spirit in a way which will take us all by surprise. At that very time, I'll tell you, I, I, saw the, I saw the river and I saw it being three things. I saw it number one being, being preaching, that a return to almost <clears throat> values of the cross, of the holiness of God, hell, judgment, those themes are featured in, in revival preaching, but almost a, a return to some of the great themes. Do you know this? I've, I've only ever heard one sermon in my life on the judgment of God. Compared to Hundreds on worship. I've preached on the doctrine of hell six times. Every time I've done it, people have got saved into the kingdom of God. It has been a theme which has come through in revival preaching again and again. The holiness of God, the cross, sin, salvation, salvation in Jesus Christ and him alone. I believe that there'd be a return to some of the 
the sort of the great old revival themes. I believe it will be in preaching. I believe it will be in purity of a new devotion to Jesus. Obviously moral purity, but it will be, and there's some people who need to take note of that here, by the way, moral purity. It will be a purity of devotion to what you see on the TV and what you see on the internet. A purity of devotion to Jesus. There will also be this. It will also be in a demonstration of power. Now, is at this particular time that Terry phoned me up, and I've got, I've got permission to speak to you about this. He came to me, and um, he said, do you mind if I have a word with you? This was early while we were going to pray. And I said, no, fine. He said, I had a telephone call from the doctor last night. He said, I've just had a regular blood test. He said, normally my blood test, the blood count goes along like this. And then suddenly he said, it, it, I don't understand this. He said, it, it drops off the graph. And the doctor said, it is 95% certain that you've got blood cancer. So I'm, so I'm absolutely stunned. And he said, don't, don't say anything. Don't mention anybody this morning because I haven't even told the family. So I was stunned and we gathered folks to together to pray. As we did, the power of the Holy Spirit fell on the room in such a way, Terry started laughing his head off. Wendy's wife was hysterical. My wife was hysterical. The, the Spirit of God came on the whole meeting in such a powerful way for about an hour. We thought, wow, that was interesting. A week later, Terry phones me up again. He said, uh, I've just had another telephone call from the doctor. He said, this time the doctor is highly embarrassed. I've had to do some more tests and blood tests and other urine tests and things. He said, this time the doctor is highly embarrassed. He said, Mr. Berger, I really don't know what to say. All, the only thing I can say is we must have got your results mixed up with somebody else because there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. So Terry says, I believe God touched me. God is wanting to move by his spirit this morning. God is wanting to touch you and me. There's some people here this morning, I can see it now, some people, you've been in a bad relationship, husband and wife. You've just grown stale and bitter with each other. Others need to sort out what they watch on TV and on the internet. It's time for that to go. Be very careful then how you live. Because we're living in evil days. And God's answer is you and me and his people and the church filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not unwise, not bitter and miserable and grumbling, but vocal, joyful, thankful, dressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So if you say, Lord, I want in on that, with everything I've got, I want you to stand.
right where you are now. This is a solemn moment. I can see I can see husbands and wives saying sorry to each other. You think it doesn't affect anybody apart from us? Oh, it does. Your sin and my sin affects the body. If my little finger has a splinter in it, my whole body feels painful. What you do affects others in the room. Others need to take seriously, say, I need some help with mastering the internet and with the TV. I can understand that. I'm a man. We need some help. Get some help. There are others who are longing to see breakthrough in their neighborhood. Be serious. Get it, get it, get it. Get ten neighbours, their names and address. Write them down and start praying. And then befriend them. Ask them round. Have a barbecue. Do something. There's some others here today. You're physically unwell. I just want you to come to the front. And I'm just going to pray and ask God to touch you.